This morning, I just wanted to say a couple words. This is more of a, a side note. This is not my message. You're, as we take this venture together, you're going to see people come and go. As a pastor, it is probably the most difficult thing to see them go. To see them, maybe for whatever reason, their heart's not ready to receive what God has in this hour. And part of this I'm saying just so the enemy knows, I'm putting him on notice, that it's not going to change my message. See, everything with, that's in this world desires a message that will pat us on the back, make us feel good. I had a, a young man say to me not too long ago, he said, well, you know, I don't like to be preached to. And I said, I said you know what, I said, the, the thing about this is, is I said, it's not a matter of you being preached to, it's a matter of the Holy Spirit, what He's saying in this hour. There are moments and there are times, the Bible is very clear about there are times when He encourages us, He does. But there are times when the Holy Spirit says, listen, change this and do it. And I believe that if you look at the Word of God as a whole, there's a lot more changing going on There's a lot than, than there is patting us on the back. If you want a lullaby, a pat on the back, if you want some cookies and coffee and, and make yourself feel good, I'm going to tell you that, that I'm the wrong preacher for you. Because the idea is, Glenn, I, I'm going to call on you just for a minute. Where's that other microphone? Just stay right there. Um, Glenn said something to me, and this is what the Holy Spirit, I believe, is trying to say. Tell that little testimony you gave. I just feel like it's not because of me, but it's because of what the Holy Spirit's doing. There's, when you're judging your pastor... There's, there's certain things you should probably put into that, what you should be thinking about. And one of the things for me was, was I making changes in my life? And I had stalled for a time. And I found that the messages that the pastor was preaching were wanting me, they were creating in me a desire to be a better person to go deeper into the Word of God and to develop a more personal relationship with Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I believe that the messages... See, this, this, is, the, this is the dilemma we're in. It's because this. See, we think in the world, I'm saying, we think we just need to make little good Christians. But that's not what Jesus' message was. Jesus' message was, go therefore and make disciples. He didn't say, go make good little Christians. He said, go and make disciples. And he, he cleared it up by saying, do this through all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded of you. Now, I'm going to tell you, some of your friends may leave. They may come, 
And they may go. And, and we have to get into kind of the position where we say, you know what, no matter what God's doing, I'm going to stay focused on what the Lord wants and what He's doing in this hour. I don't want to make good Christians. I want to, I really truly believe this. We're all going to stand before God one day. This is the one thing that Jesus said before He left. This is the thing He said. And, if, and Francis Chan says it like this. If we think that we're going to one day not be accountable for this and stand before heaven and say, what did you do with the very one thing, the one thing I asked you to do, what did you do with that? See, I'm not going to stand before God guilty because here's the deal. It, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I, it does because I'd say, yeah, I don't, I mean, I like a crowd. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not, I don't want to create a, a, a crowd just for the sake of a crowd. I don't want to say, I don't want to just, for the sake of the church, so we can have a full church, then let me just, let me make the message more palatable, make it so that it all tastes good for us and we all feel good in our tummies. We, we want a lullaby that will rock us to sleep. No, what I want is God to challenge me every week. I want the fear of the Lord to come. The Bible says that humility is the, is the fear of the Lord. I want the fear of the Lord within me, that I do not walk according to the path that the, the, the enemy has set for me, the agenda that the enemy has set for me. I want God's agenda. I want to walk in cadence with heaven. I can't do church as usual, business as usual. I've looked at His Word. I've decided that this is, I want the whole world Word, not just a watered-down, light version of the Word. I want the real thing. See, religion leaves me empty. Relationship offers me eternity. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 2, I'm going to have you guys look at the valley of Allah. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 2, it says, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Allah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. Some of you already maybe know where this place is. It's 45 minutes southwest of Jerusalem. It's a valley. This valley is a place, the valley is the place where we are elevated. Where David would be elevated to hero status. If there's no valleys in your life, there will be no promotion. No crushing, no crowning. The lowest area fills first with water. Character is forged here. It is here that we are introduced to the presence and the power of God at work. You'll be introduced to your enemy in the valley. The children of Israel were in fear. This valley of Allah was known as the, the valley of giants. It was not too long before this, it, when the children of Israel got ready to enter this land, in Numbers chapter 13, 33, it says, When we saw the Nephilim, there the descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. I want you to understand today, from very beginning, giants are going to be a matter of life. From beginning to end. God has created us to put on armor to battle these giants, spiritually speaking. Instead, we want to run from them, avoid them, hope they will go away, but we are, we are all called to face them. Our giants of our life today are these things. Fear, anxiety, depression, alcohol, drug addiction, circumstances, difficulties, relationships. So as we read the stories that we look in these Old Testaments, like I told you guys last, last week, I was telling you this story because the, there's, there's spiritual significance of how they battled the enemy is, is pertinent to us. 
If you go into battle overconfident, cocky, if you go into battle swaggering, you will come out staggering. David understood who, his, who he was fighting. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 37, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. David understood that God would be his vindicator, not man, not his strength, not his might. James 4.10 says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Why does it always come back to this one place? Matthew, we talk about it all week long, getting low. Because God loves lowly. God loves the meek. And God allows giants in your life to see what you will do, how you will respond. In 1 Samuel, moving on to 17.4, it says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. The word champion there actually means a man between two. He was not just an ordinary man. This man was nine feet tall, nine inches tall, nine foot nine inches tall. His armor weighed 175 pounds. His spear was 32 pounds. He was covered in brass from head to toe. He came out every day for 40 days. In the spiritual realm, 40 days is significant. Remember, it, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. Remember, Moses was on the mountain 40 days. It was 40 days that Jesus was tempted. It was 40 days that Jesus was on the earth after his resurrection. See, the enemy loves to mimic the things of God. To say, listen, let me just show you how, what I can do. He comes to, to demoralize and dismay your opponent. See, Satan parades around like a roaring lion. The enemy loves to disarm you with his words. In 1 Samuel 17, 11, in the King James Version, it says, And when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. The word dismayed means there to be shattered, cracked, or broken. See, I recall a place in my life where I had fear. It was during this week. There's a movie out, and I haven't seen it, and I don't plan on seeing it because of its, the nature of it, but... It's called Straight Outta Compton. And I, right now, because of that movie being out, there's all kinds of documentaries going on about it. And there was a documentary on this week, and I watched it just for a couple moments, and it, it took me back to a place in time that I had forgotten about that existed in my life. In the late 80s and the early 90s, Compton was known as the, the death capital of the world. There was more drive-by shootings there than per capita than there was in any place in the rest of the, Uni in the United States. In fact, South Central LA was just a death zone. And it was at that point in time in my life where God assigned me in the highway patrol to South Central LA. In 1990, I spent the first five years of my career down there. Your hair would stand up on the back of its, your head every traffic stop. The jungle gangster mentality was so rabid that I remember even going home and we would have to, we lived in San Pedro at the time, and I remember thinking we would have to protect our kids where we would sit and watch TV. I don't think about that today, but I remember that that was the thought that I had every single day when I would go home. How were we going to protect ourselves? Because the, the mentality of South Central LA was absolutely crazy. 
And when I watched this documentary this week, I realized they were talking about how terrible things were at that time. And it just brought back all these thoughts. The riots that I had to be a part of. And all the things that were going on in that time. A time of fear. But it's, it's in those times of fear that God raises us up to a new level in Him. It was in that time of fear people would say, well, how can you even, how can you even go and make a traffic stop? Because you know what? There was this part within me that said, I'm not worried about what's going to happen to me. Yeah, I'm going to be safe as I can. I can I'm going to take every precaution I can, but I'm not going to be in fear. See, and that's what David was doing here. David wasn't choosing how he would die. He was choosing how he was going to live. See, you can live in fear or you can say, you know what? It doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm going I'm to press myself into what God wants me to do. And that's what David was doing here. In 1 Samuel 17, 11, it says, When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed. There are those today that want to mimic the gangster mentality. I'm going to tell you guys right now, we have no business mimicking the gangster mentality, guys. I'm going to tell you right now, if, if you have somebody in leadership over you that wants to mimic what gangsters look like, it is nothing but foolishness of the enemy. See, David recalled a prior place in it where he had, he had fear, in a prior place where he had killed a lion and a bear. No one was watching. It was in the secret place. It was there that David began to know who God was. As you prepare per, for battle, but it won't be just the enemy that you're going to have to fight. It'll be those around you. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28, it says, When Eliab, his oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him, and why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. David's father, Jesse, had sent him down with some food and cheese for the commanders. He wanted to know how things... He wanted to report back what's going on down there. And David sees what's going on. He sees this Goliath coming out day after day, mocking God. And he says, Who is this guy? And why aren't we doing something about it? And then his oldest brother, the one he looks up to, says, why are you even here, you little conceited brat? Go back home where you belong. Who's watching the sheep? See, our, our family and Christians' friends will be the first naysayers. Saul comes along and he helps out the whole process. In verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. David's 15 years old. See, God's calculations are different than man. God chooses the weak things of the world to display His power. The foolish things of the world to shame the wise. See, God loves it when the odds are zero, when you have no chance. David understood this. This one whom I am to fight is a Philistine, an uncircumcised man. 
one who is an enemy of God. Therefore, shall, not be, shall God not be on my side? On that ground I have nothing to fear. He has defied the armies of the Lord and has, in effect, defied Jehovah Himself. Remember, God had said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Therefore, the battle is the Lord's, and He will stand by me. I have perfect confidence in His protection and defense, for they have trust in Him shall never be confounded. Therefore, the Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. David's motives for killing Goliath were not money, fame, power, not even the tax-free for life, for the family that that Saul offered. It was for the glory of God, because God was mocking the God of Israel. It was, for, it was his role as protector. Because if you'll find out in one chapter before this, Samuel had just came and anointed him the king of Israel. Why do we want the giants taken out of our life? To make us feel better? To give bragging rights? To pa- for power in the eyes of others? Or for even status? No, David had two desires. Desire for God's glory, and desire for God's plan to be fulfilled in his life. We need to check our motives. Why do we need victory? For God's glory or mine? See, we don't need new methods today. We don't need a new program. We don't need a new formula. Prayer, faith, fasting, and God's word, we need them all. See, I'll ask you this morning, which wing on a plane do you need more, the left or the right? See, we need them all. Throw the tail rudder in there if you want. Prayer builds the landing pad for the Lord to come. David knew God. He was called a man after God's own heart. Even the king, he was now even being anointed the king of Israel at 15 years old. He engaged the enemy. He came against it with repentance, checking his motives, and earnest prayer, and the word of God. Saul tries to put his armor on and says, okay, if you're going to go do this, then put on my armor. This is the very best that the world had to offer at the time. The king's armor. He says, put this on. He puts it on him. And it's very cumbersome. He can't move. He can can barely walk. See, you cannot use someone else's armor. You have to take armor that is fitted for you. This is what God wants us to do. It cannot, you can, men, let me say right now, you cannot rely on your wife's prayer life for you. You have to have a prayer life. You cannot walk in someone else's anointing. You cannot depend on someone else's prayer life. It's yours. It fits you. You are dressed in the prayer closet. You cannot wear armor that doesn't fit you. It won't fit. It won't feel right. It will be too heavy. It will be cumbersome. You remember, your armor is offensive and not defensive. There is no protection for the backside. So Samuel, in 1 Samuel 17, 4, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream, putting them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. God wants us to come against the enemy. These five smooth stones. I've heard stories about this. Well, that Goliath had four sons. Okay, I'll buy that. Or this one I love. Five is the number of grace. God was saying, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. Or could it be that David said, listen... If this first one misses, that's all right. I got four more in my bag. I'm going to keep going down swinging no matter what it takes. See, David had the mindset, it doesn't matter if I win or lose here. I'm going to go and I'm going to charge the enemy. I'm not going to let the enemy have me. Look what he's doing to my country. Look what he's doing before my God. David. 
David wanted to be sure he could finish the job. He engaged the enemy. Open the door. Open the gates. Move out. Get off the couch. The rock that hit Goliath in the head. It sunk in his head, the Bible says. Now, I want you to think, this is a nine-foot man, almost ten feet tall. His, his head, I mean, he makes Big Robert here look like a midget. That's how big this guy is. I don't think that this man would, he, could, he would bump these rafters. His head had to be like the, 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 the top of a, a turtle shell. See, and when he, David at 15 years old did not have enough strength to sink it. But the Bible says it sunk right in his head and he went down. David, not even having a sword in his hand, had to go finish the job. The Bible says that that didn't kill him. He had to go and take this 32 pound sword out of, out of Goliath's sheath and finish the job. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 18, 14, in everything he did, David, he had great success because the Lord was with him. I love what the King James Version says, David behaved himself wisely and the Lord was with him. This is something we must do to have success with the Lord. If we make poor choices, linking ourselves up with unbelievers or poor associations, our mouth gets ahead of our brain, going off in anger, resisting the leading of the Spirit, not following the word, we can expect consequences. Not long after killing Goliath, destroying the enemy of Israel, you would have think everybody would have been in a season of joy. This should have been the season of celebration. But David finds himself not being celebrated, but tolerated in the palace. Saul hurled a spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped from his presence twice. Here's David, 15 years old. He's been anointed the king of Israel. You would think that everything was going to go his way, but guess what happens? For 15 years, he's on the run. Not from the Philistines. He's dodging javelins and spears from Saul. See, when I say, talk about being a disciple of Christ, what I'm talking about is a place that there's a cost involved in this. We look at those 15 years, we, we, read the, we read the Bible and go, oh, well, all of a sudden he was the king. No. <laughs> it was a horrendous time in his life. But it was in that place that God was forging character in this man. This was a man after God's own heart. God's calling us today. He's calling us today to face down our giants, to overcome that thing that has overcome you. Face down the thing that wants to bring you down. Don't let giants demoralize and dismay you. David took five stones, the number of grace. God is sufficient. In 2 Corinthians 12.9 it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Let's all stand. You unravel me with a melody 
You guys may be seated. As we close this morning, I don't want you to walk in fear. You know, if you watch the news this morning, you know that that 50 people were killed by a gunman in Florida. I believe that we're going to see more of that. I'm not trying to be a doom and gloom guy, but Ron will tell you, as, as I will, that this is the stuff that we're preparing for as police officers and as military in this country. Um, but it's not something we need to be fearful of. It's something we need to be aware of. But once again, choose not how you're going to die, but choose how you're going to live. Choose how you're going to live. Yeah, it may, you may have to stare death in the face, but that's okay. You know what? Because we're going to, we're going to live in Him for eternity. That's the promise. And that's, we started the day off with, there's a new name, Written down in glory. Some of us, as we've rededicated our lives, the, the pen has already been put to the paper. My name's in heaven. Joy, unspeakable and full of glory.